Well, good morning. Um, if you'll indulge me, I have a story that I'd like to share with you this morning as we get started. It's not a normal story. It's actually for kids, but can you put on your kid hat for a little while? You good with that? It's about this group of people called the Wemmicks. And the Wemmicks were small wooden people. All of the wooden people, all of the Wemmicks were carved by a woodmaker named Eli. His workshop sat on a hill overlooking their village, and each Wemmick was different. Some had big noses. Others had large eyes. Some were tall, and others were short. Some wore hats. Others wore coats. But all of them were made by the same carver and lived in the same village. And all day, every day, the Wemmicks did the same thing. They gave each other stickers. Each Wemmick had a box of gold, golden stars and a box of gray dot stickers. And up and down the streets and all over the city, people spent their days sticking stars or dots on one another. The pretty ones, those with the smooth wood and the fine paint, they always got stars. But if the wood was rough... Or if the paint was chipped, well, then the Wemmicks gave dots. The talented ones got stars, too. Some could lift big sticks high above their heads, or they could jump over tall boxes. Still others knew big words, or they could sing pretty songs. Everyone gave them stars. Some Wemmicks had stars all over them. And every time they got a star, it made them feel so good. It made them want to do something else and and get another star. But others, they could do very little. And they got dots. Punchinello was one of these who received dots. He would try to jump high like the others, but he'd always fall. And when he fell, the others would gather around and give him more dots. Sometimes when he fell, his wood got scratched, so the people would give him even more dots. And then he would try to explain why he fell, and he'd end up saying something silly, and the Wemmicks would just give him more dots. Well, after a while, he had so many dots that he just didn't even want to go outside. He was afraid he would do something dumb, like forget his hat or or step in the water. And then people would just give him another dot. In fact, he had so many gray dots that some people would come up and just give him one for no reason at all. He deserves lots of dots, the wooden people would agree with one another. He's not a very good wooden person. After a while, Punchinello believed them. I'm really not a good Wemmick. He would say to himself. And the few times he went outside, he hung around other Wemmicks who had lots of dots. And when he was around them, he felt better. But one day he made a Wemmick who was unlike any other person he had ever met. She had no dots and no stars. She was just wooden. Her name was Lucia. It it wasn't because people didn't try to give Lucia stickers. It's just that the stickers didn't stick to her. Some of the Wemmicks admired Lucia for having no dots, so they would run up and give her a star. But it would always fall off. 
others looked down on her for having those stars, and so they would come up and give her a dot. But the dot, too, would always fall off. It wouldn't stay either. Well, Punchinello met her, and he said, that's the way I want to be. I don't want anyone's marks. So he asked the stickerless women how she did it. Well, it's easy, Lucia said. Every day, I go see Eli. Eli, Punchinello said. Yes, Eli, the, the woodcarver. I, I sit in the woodshop with him. Well, why? Why don't you go find out for yourself? Go up the hill. He's there. And with that, the Wemmick, who had no stickers, turned and skipped away. But, 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 will he want to see me? Punchinello yelled, but it was too late. She was too far and never heard him. So Punchinello went home. He sat near a window and he watched the wooden people as they scurried around, giving each other stars and dots. It's not right, he muttered to himself. And finally, he decided he would go see Eli. So he walked up the narrow path to the top of the hill and he stepped into the big shop. His wooden eyes widened at the size of everything. The stool was as tall as he was. He had to stretch on his tiptoes to see the top of the workbench and a hammer was as long as his arm. Punchinello swallowed hard. I'm not staying here. And he turned to leave. But then he heard his name. Punchinello! The voice was deep and strong. Punchinello stopped. Punchinello, how good to see you. Come, let me have a look at you. So Punchinello turned slowly and looked at the large bearded craftsman. You know my name? He asked. Of course I do. I made you. Eli stooped down and picked him up and set him on the bench. Hmm. The maker spoke thoughtfully as he looked at the gray dots. Looks like you've been given some bad marks. I, I didn't mean to, Eli. I didn't. I really, I, I tried really hard. Eli replied, you, you don't have to defend yourself to me, child. I, I don't care what the other Wemmicks think. You don't? No, I don't. And you shouldn't either. Who are they to give stars or dots? They're Wemmicks just like you. What the... What they think doesn't matter, Punchinello. All that matters is what I think, and I think you're pretty special. Punchinello laughed. He said, me? Special? Why? I, I, I can't walk fast. I can't jump. My paint's peeling. Why do I matter to you? Eli looked at Punchinello, put his hands on those small wooden shoulders, and spoke very slowly. He said, because... You're mine. That's why you matter to me. Punchinello had never heard anyone talk to him like this. He had never had anyone look at him like this, much less his maker. He, he didn't know what to say. Every day I've been hoping you come, Eli said. Well, I came because I met someone who had no marks, said Punchinello. Eli said, I know. She told me about you. Why don't the stickers stay on her? Punchinello asked. The maker spoke softly in return. He said, because she's decided that what I think is more important than what they think. And the stickers only stick if you let them. What? 
Don't you know what I said? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. See, the more you trust my love, Eli said, the less you care about their stickers. But you know, I said, I'm not sure I understand. Eli smiled back. He said, you will, but it'll take some time. But you will. You have a lot of marks. But for now, just come and see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench and set him on the ground. Remember, Eli said as the Wemmick walked out the door, you're special because I made you. You're special because I made you, and I do not make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop, but in his heart he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. The story is by a a children's story by Pastor Max Lucado, and it's called You're Special. And it's pretty powerful, isn't it? Tell you what, with that in mind, let me pray, and then we're going to launch a new series uh, talking about many of those same things this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that, uh, like Eli in the story, Jesus is our creator. Uh, you tell us that in Colossians, that, that by his hand, everything that is was made and holds together, and that, that he shaped each of us individually and uniquely and purposefully. Um, And he doesn't make mistakes. Everyone here is crafted uniquely by your hand uh, for your purpose, for a unique purpose that that no one else can serve to honor you. Give us courage to believe that and to see that this morning. And over the coming weeks, then, to see the ways that you've shaped us and made us unique and gifted us and um, all the ways that you've woven us uniquely together so that we could honor you, bring you joy, and and that we could serve and love other people, and that we would have joy and fulfillment in being who we are, not who we think we ought to be or who someone else tells us to be, but who you created us to be. Holy Spirit, I pray that that as uh, we introduce this topic today, uh, you'd speak to me and through me. Let let my words be encouraging and uh, and helpful. Uh, I pray against the enemy. uh, he, he, he lies to each of us and, and tells us um, that there is really no hope for us, that there really is no purpose for us, and that the ways we were made, maybe were a mistake, and it's simply not true. Combat those lies this morning in our hearts. Teach us truth. Help us believe it and live it. We pray all this in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Well, do you believe that, that... That you're like Punchinello, you got the you got the point of the story, right? You're, you're Punchinello. I'm Punchinello. Do you believe that what Eli said to him, God would say to you, that I love you, that I created you uniquely, separate and different from anyone else in all of creation, that I did not make any mistakes in the way I made you. And the way your hair fell out in the shower this morning, like mine, some of mine did. The, the way that your voice maybe cracks when you, saw, when, you, when you talk, or the way that maybe you, you don't quite sing perfectly. Maybe that thing about your personality that you can't stand, yet God created you that way. And he knows you perfectly. And he loves you. 
And the question is, do you believe that? And then the next question is, are you willing, like Punchinello went, uh, to find out who he was? Are you willing to go to God in the same way? Because it begs the question, okay, if God's made me unique, if God's made me special, it uniquely shaped me, well, then it begs the question, who are you? Who am I? And are you willing to go to your creator? Are you willing to go to your maker and find out who you are? Well, the Bible says that you are the special creation of Almighty God. Did you know that? That you, you unlike anything else in all of creation, you, insert your name. If I, could, if I knew everybody's name, I'd say it. You, fill in the blank, bear God's image. Unlike anything else made in all creation, you have greater value and dignity and worth. And you get to share his image. God specially, uniquely created you in this way. And he did it so that your life would image him in such a way that it would help fulfill his purpose. That it would help fulfill his purpose. Think about that. The God of the entire universe specifically and uniquely made you. You know how this is described in Ephesians? Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He, he created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. You are his masterpiece. Your translation might say his workmanship, his handiwork. Literally, the word in the Greek there is the word poemea, or uh, poema, excuse me, poema. Does that sound like a, a word you might know? The, we get the English word poem for it, and if you translate it literally, it means work of art. Everywhere else it's used in Greek literature, it's work of art. It refers to a work of art. Have you thought about that, that you are a work of art made by the master craftsman God himself? He's shaped you, he's formed you, he's chiseled you. He's added to you, he's taken away from you. He's still shaping you, if you're a follower of Jesus, into all that he would have you be. You're his masterpiece, his poem, his handiwork, his work of art. When, when Pastor Bob Blonick was here in November, he said, you're, you're a spiritual snowflake, you're unlike anyone else. You know, I, I meant to do this this morning, and I just forgot. I was going to grab like a, about a one-foot cube container. We have some in the kitchen from Bike Trip, and I was going to fill it with snow. And if you look online, a one, one cubic foot of snow, do you know how many snowflakes are in, in that cubic foot of snow? Approximately 18 million. And scientists tell us that every one of those is different than every other one. And the reality is that you and the way that God has shaped you as his masterpiece, as his work of art, you are unique in time and history from anyone else who's ever been made, from anyone else who's ever been created. No one else has the same life experience as you do. No one else has the same DNA you do. No one else had the same parents in the same mix of their DNA as you do. Sure, your brothers and sisters may look like you and bear a resemblance, but they're not you, are they? They're much different. Now, some of you, 
I need to say this because some would look at, would hear this and they would go, yeah, but you don't understand, Josh. Um, I was an accident is what I'm, I've been told. I wasn't planned. You know what? Uh, Rick Warren says this, and I think it's very helpful, and, and we would say this sometimes with our students, that there's illegitimate parents. There's no illegitimate children. The Bible says that you were formed in your mother's womb, that he intricately knit you together while you were still in your mama's belly. And he made you unique. He made you unique from anyone else in all of history. You, his poema, his work of art, his masterpiece. And you may not have been planned for by your parents, but God had it planned. You, you may not have felt loved by, God loved you, he planned you, he designed everything so that you would be created exactly the way he wanted you to be created. For his glory. For others good, for your joy. You know, I tell that story, and, and hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn here, but really that's my story. My parents were married in November. I was born in April. I could do the math sometime in high school. We never really talked about it, but it brought some questions for me. Am I just an accident? Why am I here? But God orchestrated all of that. He wasn't surprised by it. And he's worked it all for his good and his glory and for my joy, right? So so don't ever believe that. You're God's masterpiece. It says it in his word. And he doesn't create anything without value. Nothing. In, In fact, he's the ultimate craftsman. He designed you to fulfill a unique role to build his kingdom. He takes time to know about your everyday, day-to-day life. This verse from Ephesians, we're God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus to do the good things he planned for us long ago. It helps us understand that we have a purpose. We're created on purpose and for a purpose. And, you know, self-help books might tell you If you really want to figure out who you are, you just need to dig down a little deeper and just look inside and sit and meditate, figure it out. Someday it'll come to you, hum a song, I don't know, something. Just look within. You know what the Bible says? No, no, no. You need to look to your creator. I use this illustration a lot, like a little kid who draws a drawing, right? And you slap it on the refrigerator and you're really excited about it. This is fantastic. And you say, what? What is it? Because you have no clue. It just looks like scribbles to you. But they can tell you exactly what it is. Why? Because they created it. And if you want to find your identity, your shape, your purpose, your uniqueness, you have to go to your creator, just like Punchinello went to his and sat at his feet. God wants you to truly understand and accept who he has made you to be. When it comes to being unique... um, An author and pastor Tom Patterson describes it like this. He says, the fascinating thing to me is that literally everything God makes is unique. Every human, animal, flower, tree, every blade of grass. He didn't clone anything. Even identical twins possess their own individual uniqueness. That ought to tell us that our individuality is a sacred trust. And what we do with it is our gift to God. 
It's our best contribution in life. It's, as Oswald Chambers said, our utmost for his highest. And we can only be made as we allow God to finish his work in progress and perfect our uniqueness. To live without discovering your uniqueness is not really to live. I think God's heartbroken when his children miss out on the potential that he has placed inside of them. Or consider this, Max Lucado, the guy who wrote the story we read earlier in his book, Cure for the Common Life, he said, Da Vinci painted one Mona Lisa. Beethoven created one fifth symphony. I can't talk. Symphony? Symphony, I think is how you say it. And God made one version of you. You're it. You're the only you that there is and ever will be. And so if the rest of us don't get you, we don't get you. You're the only shot we have at you. you. You can do something that no one else can do in a fashion no one else can do it. You're more than a coincidence of chromosomes and heredity, more than just an assemblage of somebody else's lineage. You are uniquely made and shaped. But can you be anything then that you want to be? You're uniquely made. Stop and think about this. Can you be anything that you want to be? It's a tough question, isn't it? Our culture tells us, yeah, just you work hard enough, put your mind to the task and the, your head to the, I can't even talk. You're, you're, you know what I'm saying? Get to the grindstone, get it done. You can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do if you just have enough oomph and enough determination. Yet God created you uniquely for a specific purpose, for a specific reason, unlike anybody else, which tells me that, you know what? I can't be maybe anything I want to be. But I can be everything that God designed me to be. I can't necessarily be anything I want to be, but I can be everything that God wants me to be. And that's where we're headed over the next few weeks. We're in a series that we've entitled Discovering Your Shape. This morning is just an introductory message to kind of plant a seed. We're not going to dive into the text very heavily this morning, but it's just to lay out where we're going, to show you a roadmap and to get you thinking about where we're heading over the next few weeks. Now, this idea of shape, shape is an acronym. You know what an acronym is? All the different letters stand for something else. And this acronym was originally developed um, about 25 years ago now in a book called The Purpose Driven Church, written to church leaders by Rick Warren out at Saddleback in in California. It's been used maybe longer than that. It might have been in the 80s, actually. But it's really, really helpful. And, and, And this shape, this acronym, each of you have a unique shape. You're unlike anyone else who's ever been created in all of human history. And, and God can use you and do things through you in a fashion that no one else in all of human history could ever do because of your unique circumstances and your unique shape. So what do we mean by shape? This is what we're going to unpack over the next few weeks. Beginning next week, we're going to start with the S, and the S is spiritual gifts. Now, a lot of times when you hear that... We, And even when I described this series, I said, hey, we're going to study spiritual gifts. We're going to get into how God's gifted us. Yet if we stop there, we miss a whole lot about the way God has designed us and the way that he's created purpose for us in our lives. Spiritual gifts are important, though. Spiritual gifts we've defined like this. It's a set of God-given and spirit-empowered spiritual abilities to help followers of Jesus fulfill their God-given personal purpose in life. And by the way, only truly regenerated Christians and everyone possesses these. 
I think Pastor Bob, when he was here in November, said everyone who's ever created has a hape, but only Christians have a shape. Right? These next four we're going to talk about, anyone who's ever created, even if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, these are going to affect you and the way God's designed you. But this first one, spiritual gifts, we'll we'll dive into it more and more over the coming weeks. But it's what God gives you. It's a gift. It's wrapped up for you. At the moment you trust Jesus Christ, it's given to you. And and I believe it's um, likely gifts plural for each individual and to varying degrees. We'll talk all about that next week and I'll, I'll explain my understanding of it. But I don't want you to get hung up on spiritual gifts, right? Because if we're not careful, we're just going to worship spiritual gifts and not Jesus. And we're going to go, oh, that's what I can do. I can't do that. That's not my gift. We want you to embrace all of the way that God has shaped you. So you have spiritual gifts. The second thing you have is heart. This would be defined as your personal passions or interests or concerns that God's given you so that you can bring glory to Jesus on this earth. Some of you are passionate about things that I could care less about. I'm passionate about things that many of you could care less about. It's just the way God's wired us. Right? I mean, some of you love country music. I've never been a huge fan of country music. Some of you are are, are really fired up about doing justice work and and serving the poor and being involved in in social uh, restoration and bringing the gospel into social situations. Fantastic. Others of you are really fired up and passionate about using your artistic gifts and your artistic abilities to see God glorified. When you look at some of the old churches and how beautiful they were, and they they were the biggest works of art and some of the greatest artists in history were Christians doing their work for the glory of God. And that fires you up. You, you have different passions and different causes and different things that, that God's uniquely planted in your heart and in who you are. And that's a good thing. And they're going to be different from other people. And you have this unique shape when you start combining your spiritual gifts with your heart and then with your abilities. With your abilities. Some of you are like the gold star Wemmix and you can run really fast and jump over tall boxes. Others of you have short, stubby little legs, and you could never do that, right? God's given us each unique ability. Some of you are incredible with numbers and in the way you think, and you can, you're just like a human calculator, like you can rattle it off. God's given you ability to process things like that in ways that I know I can't. Others of you are incredible artists. Others of you are incredible musicians. Others of you are incredible listeners. Others of, fill in the blank. You have, listen, you have some abilities. There's some things you're good at. You're like, oh, no, I'm not good at anything. That's a lie. That's such a lie. There are things you are good at. And God's given you those natural abilities and talents. And his desire is that you would develop those and grow those into all that he would have them be. I defined abilities in this way. It's a set of God-given natural talents that God wove into your DNA when he created you. I mean... When I think of abilities this way, what I'm thinking of is like those things that you're like, oh man, he's like, he, she's so gifted. I don't know how they can do that. How, how do they take a piece of wood and, and make a, a chair like that? How, how do they, you, you know, these, these abilities, how do they run that fast? How do they, what are some of your abilities? Eric Little, you've heard of him, right? He was uh, an Olympian in uh, 
1924 Olympics, I believe. And Eric Little was a Christian. The movie Chariots of Fire is about his story. He was actually a missionary who ran incredibly fast. And he's got a quote. It's hanging around the church in a couple places now for this series. But he said, I believe that God created me with a purpose. He also made me very fast. And when I run, I experience his pleasure. You know how you can figure out sometimes your abilities and your gifts? What just brings you joy when you, when you do it? Because that's part of the reason I think God's given you those talents and abilities. We'll talk about that. We'll talk also about your personality. The special way that God wired you to navigate life and interact with others as you seek to fulfill your unique God-given purpose. Each of you have a unique personality that's different from others. You'll see this, you know, we talked about um, being created uniquely. You ever seen a set of twins who have totally different personalities? And one is an extrovert and one's an introvert. And, and one's really bubbly and one's really contemplative. And your personality shapes who you are. God didn't make a mistake in making you the way he did. He didn't make a mistake in making me to be recharged by being by myself and being more introverted. He didn't make a mistake by making some of you very extroverted and you can just go talk to anyone. I've joked around that that's hard for me. I can stand up here and talk to everyone, but sometimes just to talk to anyone can be a struggle because of my personality. Not that I don't have to overcome that, right? But it's, it's hard for me. Others of you can talk to anyone, but then you'd say, I could never get up there and talk to everyone. And your personality plays a part in that. And then finally, the final piece of your shape is your experiences. Parts of your past, both positive and painful, which God intends to use in great ways in the future. See, what does Romans 8.28 say? It says that God works all things according to his will for those who are called according to his purpose. He, he works them for good. I'm paraphrasing here. But, but for those who have trusted Jesus Christ, he, he takes every experience, every situation, and he works it for good. He doesn't call it good. Because sometimes there's some really painful, horrible things that God agrees with and says, that's horrible, that's painful, that's awful. I'm sorry that you have to go through that. But I'm going to take that, if you'll let me, and use that experience for your good and for good in the end. And he would use your experiences if you would let him. Positive? Some of you have great experiences on a positive side that God would use in his shape of you to do ministry and love others and care for others. Others of you have experiences that are incredibly, incredibly painful that even the thought of causes your heart just to sink and melt. Yet if you would let him, you'd go to your maker, go to your craftsman and let him, he would take that experience and he would ultimately take it and use it for good because he loves you and he doesn't make mistakes. And he can take our mistakes and make beautiful things out of them. So where we're headed over the next few weeks up through Easter is we want you to discover your shape. I want you as your pastor to understand exactly the way God has made you uniquely. I want you to understand what it means to be the person God designed and created you to be. Not, not you trying to be who everyone else tells you you ought to be, but, but you being who God says you are. You living out your unique purpose, your unique calling, your unique mission based on your spiritual gifts and your heart and your abilities and your personality and your experiences in a way that no one else can. 
for God's glory, others' good, and your joy. You know, I remember when I was in high school, one of my favorite classes was an independent art class. For a couple of reasons. One, I was a high school kid, and you could kind of do whatever you want. So there wasn't as much accountability, I'll admit that. But the other piece was I, I, I love doing art. I love design. I, I love that sort of stuff. And uh, originally I studied architecture before going into ministry. And, and I just, I'm, I love that stuff. Very visual. And one of the things we would do is, um, that was one of my favorites, but I really wasn't very good at, was pottery. And uh, you'd take a piece of clay, you'd get a lump of clay, and you'd, you'd throw it on the wheel. And the first thing you had to do when you, when you took that piece of clay and you put it on the wheel is it had to be centered. Because if it's not in the center of the wheel when it's spinning, you ever seen this? It just wobbles, and it kind of makes you sick watching it. You're like, I think I'm going to throw up. And, and it just wobbles, and it's spinning and going, and it takes some pressure, and you force it, and you get it centered to where then when it spins, it looks like it's just standing still. And the thing beginning with here, loved ones, you, you need to center your life on Jesus Christ. And you need to get centered on that so that then he can begin to shape you. And you know what? That could be really painful because your life might be just wobbling right now. <laughs> Spinning around and a little bit out of control. And you need to allow him to embrace you and put some pressure on you and, and form you so that you would be centered on Jesus with your eyes focused on him. And I remember... Uh, you know, as I did this, that the, as you worked with the clay, this, this, as it was soft and a little bit wet, you'd add slip to it. And it was so much more moldable when it was soft. And just when it was soft, it was like just a little bit of pressure in the right place. Suddenly you just saw something begin to form. And yet the opposite was also true. If it was incredibly hard and it had sat around and it had dried out and it would take a lot more pressure to begin shaping it. The same is true with our hearts. In fact, God uses this very imagery for you and for me. There, there's a passage in the book of Jeremiah I want to read to you. You might write this down, Jeremiah 18. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the shop where clay pots and jars are made. I'll speak to you while you're there. So Jeremiah said, I did as he told me, and I, I found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making didn't turn out as he hoped, so the potter squashed the jar into a lump of clay, and he started again. And then the Lord gave me this message. He said, O oh Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand. Later Isaiah says in Isaiah 64, verse 8, Yet, Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. God's our potter. He's our maker. He's our creator. And he's shaped you and is shaping you into who he would have you be. Will you let him? Will you, over the next few weeks, um, say, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to hop up on the wheel. I'm going to let God put his hands to me. And shape me and mold me exactly into who he's designing and has designed me to be. And I'm going to let him do it. And there's three goals then as we head into this series and head into 2015 that I'd leave you with this morning. 
Three things that, that would be my desire for every person who's a part of Wawasee Community Bible Church. Number one is that you would discover your shape. We're going we're gonna to have, some of you, when I talked about just your personality, you're like, I love assessments. Hmm, I love filling out tests. In college, you, were, you, you bought extra blue books because you like to fill in the circles. You, you liked that stuff, right? And, and one of the things that we'll give here over the next few weeks is a handful of, of different tools that it'll be up to you if you want to use them or not, but that, that we're working on creating. And it'll be either physical copies or you can do it online. And uh, that you can take an assessment and help learn your shape. Help learn what are some of your spiritual gifts. And, and if you're not in a 110 group, if you're not in a small group, um, that's going to be one of the primary ways you start to learn that is by hearing from other people and the way that they see you. You, you learn these things from interacting with God's people. And, and, and speak into one another's lives. Speak into my life. Well, what are some of your spiritual gifts? I want you to discover your heart. What are the things that just turn your crank? Like, man, that fires me up. I don't think it's an accident that you were designed that way with those passions. I think God's placed those things in your heart. So how would you use those passions then to serve him and to love others? And then your abilities. Some of you have incredible ability. And in, in all of you actually have incredible ability just in different ways and in different areas. How would you use those abilities, those gifts, those talents to serve God, to serve others? How about your personality? We want to help you discover your personality and understand maybe why the way you react this way or why your spouse reacts that way. Or we'll even look at some of the personalities of people in the Bible as we look at it and, and why they said some of the things they did. And then your experiences. You know, that may be one of the most painful for any of us is to look at what was really hard in our life and say, God, I give it to you and I'm going to let you use that and to surrender that. And as you discover your shape, then your second goal, my second goal for you, for our church challenge to you, I should say, maybe is to, to learn to be yourself. You're like this sounds like just a fluffy self-help sort of goofy sermon I see on TV, Josh, what's going on? Well, no, it's not. We're talking about the, the passages of Scripture that where God speaks of the way he has created you and the purpose he has for, for redeeming all of creation, including you and including me, and, and the way that he would use you and me in that process, building his kingdom. And every tool has a different purpose, and each one of you are tools in God's hands. So I want you to learn to be yourself, not try to be a hammer when you're a screwdriver. Right? Right? And to be you. There's incredible freedom in that. You just got to know there's incredible freedom in just learning to be yourself. And love yourself the way God made you. Not love yourself in a prideful way, but in a way that you recognize I'm made by God and he loves me. And then finally, the third piece of this will be providing opportunities for you and challenging you to start using your shape to glorify Jesus and to serve other people. See, some of you, you're going to go through this and you're going to go, ah, oh, that's old hat. I've done all this. I know this. I know my spiritual gifts. I know what I'm passionate about. I know what I'm good at. I know what my personality is. I've taken, you know, 15 different personality tests. I, I've looked at all my experiences in life. I know all this. But you know what? You're sitting around doing nothing. We want you to take that. I want to motivate you, encourage you to use your shape then 
on mission for God's glory, for others' good, because when you do, it brings you incredible joy. It just does. So I hope that you leave this morning knowing, one, you're loved, knowing, two, you're uniquely shaped and created by God. You're his masterpiece, his piece of art, his, his poem, his poema. And encouraged to start to learn more about yourself and the way God made you so that you would serve in the church, in your small group, in our community, and fulfill all that God would have for you to do and be in this life. See, the reality is, we'll end with this, but at the end of your life, and it doesn't necessarily say it in this way in Scripture, but here's what's going to happen is there's basically kind of two big things you're accountable for in the end. Two big, huge categories that you are accountable for before Almighty God in the end, at the end of your life. Number one is you're accountable for what did you do with Jesus Christ? Did you trust him? Did you give your life to him? Did you repent of your sin and turn to him and become a Christian, become a follower of Jesus Christ? You're accountable for that. Every person who's ever uh, taken a breath on this earth is accountable before Almighty God, myself included, for what have I done with Jesus Christ? Have I repented? Have I turned to him? Have I honored him as God? Or have I rejected God's gift? And if I've rejected it, I'm accountable and I'm going to pay the penalty for my sin in hell for eternity. The second thing, if you've, if you've chosen to trust Jesus Christ and become a Christian, the other big category you're responsible for is, is what have you done with everything else? How have you been a steward of everything else God has given you, including the way that he's made you? including the way that he's made you. With that, let me pray. Uh, we'll call it a morning. We'll sing together. We'll take our offering. And uh, yeah, let me pray. Father, thanks for Jesus. And uh, thanks. Um, it, it's incredible to think of your grace to us just in the ways that you've created us. That, that each of us have a unique um, history, a unique personality, a unique gifts and abilities to varying degrees, unique uh, passions, unique, um, unique spiritual gifts. And that you've given each of us this mix of, of things, this shape, so that uh, we would do all things as if we're doing them unto you, that we would do all things for your glory. It's, it's written by Paul all throughout the New Testament to live lives of, of purpose and of, of, of conviction and of Uh, dedication to your will and for your glory, for others' good, and ultimately for our joy. Father, I pray uh, for each one in shout of my voice, each one in our church maybe who isn't here even this morning, I pray you'd give us grace uh, that your Holy Spirit would work in such a way that you'd help us discover new things about who we are, about the ways you've created us, that you'd help us discover your incredible, incredible, unmeasurable love for us in the ways that you've created us and made us and shaped us and that we'd find unbelievable freedom in that freedom to love you more freedom to love others more freedom to uh, embrace things that have happened to us in our past our own mistakes things done to us as well uh, to to embrace other people to to give forgiveness and and to move forward from that in a way that would would honor you, that would reach other people, that would serve the common good of the church. As we'll see next week, you give us spiritual gifts for the common good. It's not just for us. We get joy from it, but it's for other people so that that others would be blessed and experience your love through us. 
Give us courage to be those people. Help me be a good leader in that and helpful in that uh, in helping people discover these things about themselves. Father, I pray too then that it might just spark a wave of, of, uh, of your grace and of excitement in our church and people serving and loving and more and more people coming to know your son Jesus because that's the point. We love you. We thank you for him. We pray all this through him. Amen.